Hi, this is David Sweet, and you're listening to The Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to The Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scoo Walker. How you doing, Scoo? Doing good, Pete. How are you today? Oh, On a Friday. I'm doing great. On a Friday. You know why I'm doing good? Because I live in Lake Forest just like you do. And Dave. All right. This show's got a sponsor, Neuro Noodle. Get a doodle of your noodle. Your kids play sports. We're getting back in the swing of things. If they take a tumble and that melon gets squished, you want to have a baseline to compare it to. Visit NeuroNoodle.com. They get a physical every year. We'll get their brain checked out every year. Visit NeuroNoodle.com. Okay, one of the goals of the podcast is to shed light on local people doing good. And today we're joined by David Sweet, author of Three Seconds in Munich, the controversial 1972 Olympic basketball final, and Lamar Hunt, the gentle giant who revolutionized professional sports. Let's chat with David and see what's new. David, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me, Pete and Scoo. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Now, you two know each other. Scoo, how do you know Dave? Oh, Dave and I go way way back to Little League. He struck you Lake out, Forest. huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you were on the West Park team, right, Scoo? That's right, yeah, West Park. And I was on the South Park team, so, yeah, we were bitter rivals. <laughs> it was fun back then. Not like anything today, though. Wait, there's no, an actual South, South Park team? Yeah, yeah. Tra- travel all-stars for Little League and up to Pony League was South Park and West Park. Yeah, I never it quite made the travel all-stars, but uh, <laughs> I was on the level below that. But they also used to, yeah, like they used to have all the uh, baseball segregated by where you live. So you that's, played that's at your true. respective parks. Yeah, exactly. So, Dave, you grew up in Lake Forest? What's what's your story? I, I know we're neighbors, but uh, you, you – you grew up with school. You must have been here a long time. Jeez. Yeah, I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, yeah, I grew up here and loved it. Uh, I loved playing baseball and uh, a lot of different sports. Then after college, I moved to Los Angeles, went to USC for journalism school and was a sports editor out there for a daily newspaper. And then I joined the uh, Wall Street Journal in New York right when they launched uh, their internet site in 1996. Mm-hmm. Wrote for them for a number of years, um, worked at Sports Business Journal, a trade publication. And then my wife and I moved back here in 2003. I knew it was a great place to raise kids, and we had had a daughter in New York. And I worked at the Lake Forester uh, for about nine years. That was a lot of fun profiling local residents. I uh, started the North Shore Weekend soon after that. And uh, and then, I, as you mentioned, I've written a couple of books during all this, also just started a new blog or helped to start a new blog uh, for the city of Lake Forest. Oh, what's the name of the blog? Let's give a little plug Sure. It's called Lake Forest Love uh, and it's lakeforestlove.com. And in fact, today we posted a, a great story about uh, the Lake Forest High School sailing team, which is going to be at nationals uh, this weekend in Cleveland. And they're battling teams from across the country, from Rhode Island, California, and, and all sorts of places. So it's fun to get get a little story on them. I talked with Will Howard and he's the director of the program. It's hard for me to remember, despite my long ties here, a a team going for a national championship out of Lake Forest. I know we've gone for state championships, but national is pretty big. 
Stu, your daughter's in the boats. Didn't she just do something in Michigan uh, at a championship trophy, something? Yeah, she was. Uh, she rose for uh, Chicago Rowing Foundation, and they just uh, her her boat won the uh, Midwest Juniors a couple weeks ago. Congratulations! That's great. Thanks. And Will Will does a great job with the sailing program. When they brought him in, he just you know took it to a different level. And he's a great great guy and does a wonderful job. Yeah, it really sounds get it. like it. Uh, and then the uh, you know for the kids as well, he does an excellent job oh, teaching them how to. Absolutely. So, Dave, I already know the answer to this, but uh, when you're in town, you know, we try to give out a little small business love. Where do you like to hang out, have a bite to eat? Should, should we give Beth a shout out, even though she never comes on the show? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I do like to go to the Lantern or Chiefs. Uh, Francesca's is fantastic. Pasquazzi's, I think, is open again. If I, you know, I love their hot dogs and sloppy joes. You know, I, I think they closed for a while, but I'm pretty sure they're open again. Yeah, and I, I'm our house is sort of near Highwood, so I, I, I go to a few places there as well. No need to name them on a Lake Tour show. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, you know, plenty, and I'm really excited for uh, La Colonial to open. I think it's next year that'll be in town. Yeah, we can deal with that awning. I think we finally got that approved. <laughs> it's okay to be blue, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, Dave, how'd you get started in writing? Was uh, it Lake Forest High School or what before that? That's a good question. Um, I actually, I didn't go to the high school. I went to a place called Deerfield Academy in Massachusetts. And I'd say I had a, a really great teacher there who sort of got me started into writing. I, I really enjoyed writing a uh, long, not an essay. I, it was almost like a, a thesis. It was fairly long on uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the poet. And I, I really enjoyed doing all the research and finding out all about him and writing it up. And then at Denison, where I went to college, I was an English writing major and more into fiction at that point. But my career has really been in nonfiction. And I, I you know, there are just so many interesting stories in Lake Forest and out, out in the world. Um, I really enjoy interviewing people, conducting the research and putting it all together uh, in an article or a book form. So you started with Lamar Hunt. How, how did you pick uh, him? Uh, I, I, I didn't see anywhere in your background you hung around Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> well, he actually, uh, ironically enough, he was mainly in Dallas, even though he owned the Kansas City Chiefs. He yeah. started the team as the Dallas Texans, and then the Cowboys came in, and you know Dallas couldn't really host two pro, pro football teams, so he decided to move to Kansas City. I just thought he was a, a fascinating guy. I he by the time I wrote the book, he had passed away, and I, I had interviewed him a couple of times before, but can't really say I knew him. But, you know, to start a professional football league, to merge it with the NFL, he, to, he coined the term Super Bowl. He, right. he helped start Major League Soccer, and he was very involved with the North American Soccer League before that. He was the father, really, of the two-point conversion in the NFL, which, you know, many coaches and others really didn't want. They didn't want to make a decision like that with the game on the line to go for an extra point or a two-point conversion. And he was just, you know, obsessed with sports, and which I've been in many ways too. And he, he just seemed like a fascinating guy, a real entrepreneur. Just a little bit of background. His father was H.L. Hunt, who at one point was the richest man in America uh, from oil money. And Lamar Hunt started this football league. He was only 27 years old. So, it, you know, to do something that big at that age, I thought was incredible. It's a little bit more than what I've done. What about you, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
How long did it take you to uh, to write that book? I, you know, I, I do these books fairly quickly, uh, and I both times I've written them, I've had full-time jobs at the same time. Lamar Hunt, you know, I was so passionate about it. I'd say I was able to figure it or do it all within six months or so. Wow. Um, and I interviewed probably, I think it was about three dozen people, including big names like Paul Tagliabue and Marty Schottenheimer, who coached for the Chiefs, and then a number of others, Gail Sayers interviewed him because uh, he had been drafted by the Chiefs, but then he chose the Bears instead. Bears. You know, when you're passionate about something, it makes it a lot easier. Three seconds. How'd you pick that? I mean, that's fascinating. How did you stumble into that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a good question. Um, I was talking with a, a New York agent and trying to pitch him story ideas. And through research, I, I mean, I remember this game uh, and through research, I, I just found out how compelling it was on so many different levels. So you have uh, the terrorism of the 1972 Olympics, which most people remember it for that reason. 11 Israeli athletes and coaches were killed by uh, Palestinian terrorists. And then after that, the games went on and the U.S. had never lost a basketball game in the Olympics going back to 1936. And then through, as I write, through corruption and uh, why well, I, I say corruption is the main reason uh, they lost to the Soviet Union 51 to 50 because the last three seconds were played three times and the Soviets kept having chances to win it because uh, the head of international basketball kept putting time on the clock, which he has no authority to do because the referees are supposed to control the game. Wasn't he sitting in the stands and he yeah. would run down? Yeah, he, he, you know, and he's supposed to be a neutral arbiter and he kept running down and saying, nope, there's not one second left. There's three seconds left. Uh, nope, that play didn't count because the clock wasn't set correctly. And the Americans had basically won twice. Uh, and then on the last play, the Soviets got a basket and won. And then, and finally, to you know, you have the element of the U.S. players, all 12 of them rejected their silver medals. And they have mm. to this day. And some of them in their uh, wills have said their descendants can't accept the silver medal. So there's so many different parts to it. I mean, you have the evil of terrorism, the corruption, yeah. the, heart, the heartbreak of the loss, and the, the principle of rejecting the medals. Uh, so, it, you know, so many different levels that I really found fascinating. Well, plus it was, they weren't professionals. They didn't have uh, Walton, right? Right. Yeah, that was unfortunate. He was the best player in the land. And he had had a bad experience in 1970 playing for a U.S. team. He couldn't stand the coach. And he was almost, uh, I guess maybe anti-American might be too strong, but he wasn't patriotic is an easy way to put it. He, he didn't have any interest in playing for the U.S. team in 72. And the team was coached by Hank Iba, who at that point was 68 years old. Uh, he was he had won a couple of championships there in the 1940s, but, and he had won the 64 and 68 gold medals for the team, but he had uh, retired from coaching in 1970. He could have be, been the grandfather of these guys. And he was very set in his ways. He said, you got to throw the ball four or five times, sorry, pass the ball four or five times before you shoot. And players were like, well, that gives the defense a chance to set up, you know, why we should run and gun more you know, is a heartbreaking loss. And if Bill Walton had played, I, I'm sure they would have won. But yeah, you know, to this day, the players, I talked to eight out, out of the 11 still alive, and you can tell to this day, it really uh, pains them uh, that they lost that game. Why was it that close? 
Well, that's a good question because, uh, you know, the again, the U.S. had won every Olympic game they played in 63 straight at that point. And uh, the Soviet, I'd say one reason is because Iba didn't, Hank Iba didn't believe in scouting the other team. So there's a player on uh, the Soviet Union, Sergei Belov, who uh, Tom Henderson of the U.S. had never seen play before. And he just torched uh, the U.S. I think he ended up with about 20 points, if memory serves, so, of the 51. So Henderson was the center. So you have Tom Henderson versus Bill Walton. Uh, sorry, no, uh, Tom Burleson was a center. Burleson, Burleson, okay. And this is Tom Henderson, Sergei Belov. And, and the U.S. was really sloppy at the start for the whole first half and really for most of the game. They, and finally, with five minutes to go, a player named Kevin Joyce uh, during the timeout said, look, let's play our game. Let's run and gun. Let's move around. We, we got to change the pace of this. And all of a sudden, they came back. At one point, they were down by 10 in the second half. And by the time... Doug Collins stole the ball with uh, 10 seconds remaining. They were only uh, down by one point at that point. Is that Illinois State's Doug Collins? That uh, that is exactly. You know, he stole the ball. The Soviets didn't even have to pass it, but he stole a Soviet pass. And then he ran down the court and laid the ball up. He missed the shot. and He pretty much went over the Soviet player and just pounded his head on the court and went under the basketball stanchion. Uh, he had two free throws, again, down by one point. And he switched both free throws, you know, the most pressure-packed free throws you can imagine. And at that point, the U.S. was up by one, three seconds left. It seemed like they had the game won. So you want, you want to hop in? I'm hogging everything here. I'm... <laughs> no, I'm just fascinated listening to the history of it. This is, this is quality stuff. This is like a real podcast, Scoo. <laughs> so let's just say 20 years or so, you wrote the first book, and then you wrote this. This one came out, what, last year during COVID? Uh, 2019. 2000, okay, 2019. With all the technology, was it easier, not that it's ever easy, but to get that book together and put out versus 20 years ago? Like, what's what was the difference putting a book out then and now? Well, Lamar Hunt was 2010 and uh, Three Seconds of Mew was 2019. But I'll say... So 10, 10 years, 10 years. Yeah, not a huge difference, uh, but I'd say... You know, the key, the fact that I've written two books in this century, let's say, you know, the key for me has been access to the Internet, which, you know, when the, someone writing a book in the early 90s would have no access to, to conduct research via looking at old newspaper archives via the, via the Internet or um, YouTube items where, you know, clips of the 72 Olympic game I found on YouTube and, and the internet is just so helpful to conduct research and also to, to find people, you know, figure out where they are uh, to contact them to request interviews. I think where I was going with is on the distribution. Like if Scoo and I wanted to write a book, oh my God, I don't know. What would that be? Uh, manners and etiquette. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to put it on Kindle for a digital book, fine, you don't edit it that well. I don't know if anybody will buy it, but at least you can put it out there and have the option to distribute it, right? Well, that's a good point, yeah. And so it is an ebook as well, Three Seconds in Munich. It's also an audio book, which have become more and more popular. Um, so yeah, That was my download yesterday. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, the first one, maybe. <laughs> that um, nickel's on me. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, there are many different ways to distribute a book these days. So that, that helps too. The newspapers, so you went to Forrester. 
I've only been here three years. You and Scoob been around 57, whatever it is. I'm, I'm learning the ropes here. You, you're right. You're doing a blog. Do you think any of these local papers will stick around in the next five, 10 years? They're in pretty bad shape, I'd say, compared to let's say 30 years ago. The Lake yeah. Forester was much more robust. You know, there's a newspaper called the News Voice at that time that has folded. You know, the North Shore Weekend, which I helped start, was a lot bigger when we started in 2000 and, uh, 2012. Uh, the, the Lake Forest Leader, I think it was called, that was distributed free to people's mailboxes, that, that's gone now. Patch doesn't really have much Lake Forest news. It, this area really needs something more robust. I mean, there have been really important city council meetings that haven't been covered, you know, so no yeah. one knows what's what they're voting on and so forth. You know, with Lake Forest Love with that blog, we're not right. oriented. We're really focusing on profiling the, the interesting people in town and, and the great programs like Lake Forest Sailing. So that, that's more our focus, sort of more features and profiles. Uh, but, you know, the place really needs a, a good news site as well. Yeah, that's why I bring it up because it's kind of why Scoo and I started this podcast. It's all the information is so centralized in silos. East Lake Forest has one silo of information. West Lake Forest has another silo. I got involved with the caucus and, the, you know, there were thoughts on being in the caucus, not being in the caucus. What is the caucus? How is the government run? Right. Uh, there's a period of time where people don't get what's – I don't know if people want to know, but for the people that do want to know, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to be transparent and put the information out there so they know what's, what's going on. Yeah, no, this, I mean, this is really valuable what you're doing. I, um, you know, it's great. You're interviewing people around town and getting their thoughts out there. And I don't know if you guys are thinking about putting up a website as well and maybe uh, covering events, but you know, that would be fantastic too. Yeah. And I well, tell we, you the, the, uh, the Lake Forester, you know, Pete, when we were growing up, I mean, you yeah. used to wait anxiously every Thursday right, for that to come out because it did have, Everything that was going on from a news, social, sporting, everything was in there. Exactly. And just over time, it just got thinner and thinner and thinner. But right. even though when it went to the Internet, it's still, I mean, people yeah. still were pulling that thing, waiting for it. But there was just nothing in it anymore. Yeah. And, and when I get I back there, to that. Yeah. I, when I was there. I tried to keep it Lake Forest oriented as much as possible because I knew people didn't care about Northbrook or, you know, Wonderline. Right. But I think these days, you know, there are so much cost cuts, they barely have anyone to cover the news. So the default is to, you know, throw in all these regional stories that most people don't really care about. Well, when there's we started so, there's so much going on here, too, in the, in the okay. city and Lake Forest, Lake Bluff. So much news that, you know, you can fill up a, uh, a periodical. Yep, no doubt. Well, there's so much talent in this town. I mean, take Arthur Miller and Carol right. Summerfield. Having them come on and tell, like, I'm new, so I'm like, my eyes are like this when I'm hearing what's going on in Lake Forest. All this information is there. People are moving in every couple of years. To be able to share that in this type of uh, environment, I think, is uh, there's some value there. You know, newspapers were built on politics, okay, and people try to stay away from politics. My thoughts on it is this environment depending on which side that you're on, respect each other's view, but there is a view, okay? Right. We don't, we don't, we don't have any right to 
how somebody else perceives information, but they, you know, they have their, their view. When you have somebody that has one point of view one week and then you have it the, you know, uh, the, the other side the next week, it can be quite the ping pong match. Whereas the, the you know, the newspaper it's here, it is. It, I don't know if it's as personal. Right. So I, and to your point, one thing that's missed is uh, I, I'm pretty sure the Lake Forester has stopped endorsing candidates and, you know, for voters, you know, you, you need to know who the Lake County candidates are and what the paper's view yeah. is on them, uh, along with state representatives and so forth. For, for Lake Forest, it, it isn't as essential, maybe, because sometimes, you know, there are no, there are candidates running unopposed many times. But I think this year there were candidates who were opposed, and it would have been good to have a newspaper explain why they support this candidate and not the other. When you have these contested elections, you have somebody that's running against to what the caucus put out there, and they didn't know there was a caucus. That just drives me crazy. If this podcast can at least accomplish that one goal to give people the information that, look, there's a process in place where people are interviewed before they go up for boards, that's right. how I got started. And depending on the week, Scoo is always the good guy. Scoo is always the good guy. <laughs> Pete's always a bad. Pete, Pete's the Republican. Pete's the bleeding heart liberal. Pete's the whatever it is. It, it, it's my fault, but Scoo always comes out smelling like a rose. <laughs> That's how it works when you've been around town that long. You make a lot of friends. <laughs> so walking around town, it looks like we're getting back to normal, guys. Seven o'clock this morning. I mean, Starbucks is packed. Mary. At Gerhardt's was packed. Those damn bicycles flying around. Uh, looks like we're getting close to I was normal. kind of upset at 5.30 in the morning. I saw all these people walking around. I'm usually empty with me and my dog. And all, <laughs> it's definitely opening up. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. I mean, and, and especially this time of year when everyone wants to be out and about with the excellent weather. It's perfect timing. Hey, David, you're, you're pretty high profile in the media world. And, and what is your take on all the noise going on out there with the news the non-news all that stuff well when you say the noise what if you could be more specific you know who to believe who not to believe what channels you're listening to what you shouldn't be listening to and just right all the all the different just seems a lot different nowadays it is it's definitely it definitely seems more partisan to me you know having read newspapers for so long you know there are fake news out there and so forth it, you know, maybe because I work there, I, I really like the Wall Street Journal. I feel like they have interesting story topics that I don't find in most newspapers. And I feel like they're fairly reported. Uh, whereas, you know, certain papers you come across, you just think, or I just think the reporter has an ax to grind or, you know, isn't yeah. giving you all the information that, that's out there. Yeah, I'd say compared to, let's say, the 1980s or something, it, it seems the reporters are more, they're more openly partisan, I guess I'd say. Are they not doing the, the, the legwork, do you think? Or is it just they, superficial stuff? They may not be doing the legwork. They may sort of have preconceived notions of, of mm -hmm. what they're going to write and just sort of build, they'll have the narrative first and then sort of build around it. You know, it's interesting to your point, how, how did we mention COVID-19? How did we get the coronavirus? And now it had been um, mentioned, obviously, and sort of scoffed at that it could have come from a lab in China, but now everyone's reevaluating that and saying, you know, it really could have. So, you know, stuff like that, 
I think some people just had a, again, a preconceived notion like, oh, no, it didn't come from a lab. It came from a bat or whatever the, the theory was. But you, you just can't dismiss certain stuff without sort of really digging into it. When you went to school and the kids coming out now, you, see, you mentioned the legwork, journalism. There's so many different outlets now that people are willing to, I don't want to say lower their standards. Do you see that coming out? Because you just said, you know, confirmation bias, preconceived notions, sloppy reporting. Do you see more of that now than uh, when you came up in the biz? I'd say yes, and but mainly because there are so many outlets now. So you have a lot more people writing and editing and so forth, mainly, I'd say, in fact, principally because of the internet. Uh, you know, anyone can start their own blog and have their opinions out there. Yeah, they aren't as professionally trained as in the past, which is unfortunate. So yeah, it's, it's a different world. And, you know, it's good to have varying voices and more voices, but then also on the downside, the quality usually is not as good. Like this podcast, Scoo. <laughs> We have our fact checkers. We check. A whole bunch of them. <laughs> we flunked out of uh, host school. <laughs> Dave, what's, what's the next book, you think? Well, that's an interesting question. I did finally get a New York agent. My first two books didn't have an agent. I pitched them on my own. And she pitched a book about sports betting, legal sports betting, which has become very prominent in the U.S. Uh, since... 2018, when the Supreme Court ruled it could be legalized, you know, outside of Nevada, really. Uh, and I think, you know, almost half the states have legalized at this point, including Illinois. There, there weren't, wasn't any interest, or I, I shouldn't say that. They were very nice about it. The publishing houses thought I was the right guy to write it, but they didn't think it would sell much. So I think, you know, if there was a scandal to tie it to, you know, in the next couple of years, they then they might be interested. But beyond that, yeah, I'd, I'd love to write another book. Um, if that one doesn't come through, that's fine. Uh, I'm always looking for, you know, something that's really interesting to me to write about. And as you can tell, it's usually sports oriented. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Scoo, Scoo's a big sports guy. He'll, he might have a few yep. ideas for you. Yeah, you know, the, yeah definitely. The, the, bi the biography of uh, Jerry Krause and his <laughs> <laughs> blowing up the Bulls. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right. We'll 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 add a dead out in post, or maybe we'll keep. Uh, <laughs> it, it's amazing, you know. Just on that topic, the yeah, you know, we all remember the great '90s and the Jordan years, but my God, in the last 23 years, I guess they have not done much. And you said the key word, 23. Yeah, exactly. He he was the key. <laughs> he mean, was. It, 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 and all arguments on who's the goat is is now rested. Yeah. After the last series, yeah, five minutes. Yeah. Why you walk out, Scoo? Why you do that? Huh? I mean, I haven't watched. I haven't watched basketball in a long time, but I, I heard about it. He he walked off the court with five minutes left. Basically twice last night, and well, he didn't shake hands last night, but yeah, five minutes left in the game before. Yeah, this is MJ would never do that. No, he he was too much of a competitor. He would. He forced other teams to do that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Like when the Pistons did yep. Bulls hands in 1990, I think it was. Dave, who do you think we should have on the show next? I mean, it's going to be hard to top you. Uh, you got game. <laughs> you're, you're too kind. No, this is uh, – Actually, let me, let me say this. Yeah, one that comes to mind is a guy named Jim Campbell. He's a Lake Forest native, and I mentioned his name. He just came out with a book on Bernie Madoff. 
uh, you know, who recently died. And we all know the, the, the world's biggest Ponzi scheme that made out right. was involved. I'm actually going to do an uh, interview with him Wednesday in Chicago. We're going to, I'm going to ask the questions and he'll give his answers. So that'll be sort of neat. And that, yeah, I'm happy to send you his contact information. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, just, we're just getting going here, Dave, you know. Right. Well, now you got two books and, you know, newspapers, <laughs> author, and, you know, and struck out school. <laughs> Yeah, he hey, never Dave, swung at that pitch, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, thanks. David Sweet, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Oh, thanks, guys. This has been great. A lot of fun, great conversation. And, you know, oh, best we, of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, well, Dave. we're just going to keep grind, grinding them out, and we're going to have to have you come back on again when we get that third book. Give, give our regards to uh, your better half. I will, definitely. And same to you. And, uh, I, Congrats know, I, on the graduate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Ford Sweet graduated from Forest Bluff, uh, moving on to high school this fall. So nice. that that's makes it all worth it. Exactly. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. And then Dave, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Twitter? Uh, I'd say I, via email is probably the best. And my email address is DAFSweet, so D-A-F-S-W-E-E-T at AOL.com. I still have the long ago AOL. AOL, yeah. God bless. Does it God make bless. that noise when you log in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally went away. And again, I'm Pete. And can be reached at Pete at Lake Forest Podcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes below, as well as links to David's uh, two books and his bio. Fascinating fellow. On behalf of my co-host, Scoo Walker, we thank you for listening. Cue the Lake Forest Band. <laughs> <laughs>